Hey, Pop. Hey, Chloe. Um, so I finally got that alone time. Super overrated. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Totally alone. I got this little dude, Steven Seagull, here, keeping me company. Show me a wing. I fixed him for you, Chloe. I just don't want you guys to worry, and I don't want you to feel, um, you know, bad or anything, because I love you so much. And I miss you more than I ever, I ever even realized I could. Dad, I gotta get off this rock soon. Um, but I want you to know I'm gonna fight. I am. Just like she taught us. And you were right. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back once more to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the Fear of God podcast. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was going to be here, but, you know, he invited me to, of all places, an isolated beach where he promised there was good surfing. And I was like, Reed, you know me. And no, I'm not much of an ocean guy. And surfing? Yeah, no, I don't I don't know. So I told him to go on without me. Okay. I'm sure he'll be fine by himself surfing out there in the big blue ocean. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you back to our year-long series, that of 2020-2020. We are closing in on the end of 2020 and the end of 2020-2020. But this series has been us examining 20 films of the last 20 years in this, the year 2020. Um, today, we are looking at the year 2016. But 
I'm getting ahead of myself uh, because here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can listen to the fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch the fear of God on YouTube and you can browse the fear of God on the web at the fear of God podcast.com where you will find episode archives and merchandise like cell phone cases and t-shirts get yourself a t-shirt get it for christmas stocking stuffer get a sticker you can you can email us send us sign up for the email thing to get a sticker ask us about how to do that it's free uh so yeah back on the website magnets pillows read read you're woo. you look a little the worse for wear after that surfing outing well it's because i can't okay? surf i should have known you- better I don't, you I don't know how to surf. Should I know better <laughs> than to fall in love? go surfing like that. No, That's I mean, it's like, you, it's like you wake up one day and you'd be like, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to drive a motorcycle surf, a giant without, a, you know, without a helmet, you know, or, or I think I'm going to go surf a giant wave when I can't swim. That's smart. Let's Seems. go surfing now like he's going to learn how. Come on and go surfing with him. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, and go surfing with Reed. You know what? Wow. Yes. I what? do not. I do not know how to surf. I do not know how to swim. But man, I love the Beach Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, end of, you end know, of sentence. One, end of, one end out of three ain't bad. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> all right all right so, so we got Riri, a lot to get to. it's Let's business get to time it. we do have a yes. lot to get to it's business time um i'm gonna tell them real quick how they can find us during january of 2021 which is fast approaching and then you're gonna tell them how and if there's still time to count the yeah. vote yeah. uh to rock yeah. the vote if you will um to fog the vote if you will <laughs> uh so in, t- in in january um we are going on hiatus and it's sad to think about just for a honestly. month just for a month just yeah. for a month yeah but but that hiatus yeah, but will a, still you know there'll be some fun little things time. drop into the thread just not yeah, standard format episodes you know correct yeah. yes. nothing standard it's all gonna be wild uh but uh where you can find us during that hiatus month is in the facebook group if you are not a member of our facebook group why not come join us why not? there's lovely things happening there like just Indeed. I actually love, I was about to say, I love Reed. I do love you, but. I love you too. I love comma Reed, how I will just not know conversations are happening over there. And then you stumble and like, look at that. Look at these foggers. (laughs) Look at these foggers. Just. Just, just talking with each other, just sharing chatting. opinions, just hanging out, talking about movies. Like, things. hey, what'd you yeah. see? Oh, you saw that? Should I watch that? Oh, so and so's back and forth. Like, oh, that's great. I fucking love these guys. I know. Um, it's great. So, yeah, if you're not a part of the Facebook group, come find us. Absolutely. What you got, Riri? Absolutely. How can they participate in what remains of this year? So, listen, not much is left of the year. We, we essentially have just a little over a month. And so that really behooves you to go to the fearofgodpodcast.com, click on the banner on the top. That will take you to the remaining surveys. As of this episode, the only surveys you have left to vote in are 2018, 2019, and 2020. Because 2017 is locked. That is not that many. There's just, there's just three left. That's it. So, so please go to the website, check out those surveys, 
and vote for your favorite horror films of each of those respective years. And we're going to count down in these remaining episodes your favorite, your top 10 favorite horror films from each of those years. So you still have time to vote on 2018, 2019, and 2020. I know some of you have seen some interesting and fun things in 2020. So go and cast your vote so that that might get a little bit of attention and conversation in the episode. So by all means, go to the to the website, Fill out the surveys, and we will see what happens. We will see what shakes you up. You know, I love the word behooves. It's just a, hmm. just kind of a nice word. You used it a minute ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like a barricade, and you're just like I didn't listen to yeah. anything you said. Is he still after talking? You used that word. All I like, heard was oh, behooves, and that's it, it. Yeah, just carries me away. Um, that's it. Last little bit of business here is, you know. We we asked you to join the Facebook group because there's a lot of good stuff that can happen in there, a lot of fun stuff. But it's a bit it's a bit isolated, you know. It's a bit cordoned True. off yeah. from the rest of the world. What is not cordoned off from the rest of the world is iTunes reviews. And yes. you know, we would we're not ashamed to ask. We would like them. Um, if you're listening to this, nice. if you're new, if you're if you've been around a while and just haven't, what's up? yeah we could could use it uh so <laughs> i mean we're 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 secure folks so you know sure uh but go to itunes leave us a rating or a review preferably of the five star variety That'd be uh, we want to hear from you we as of this recording are at 78 and it would just be nice to get to 80 and it'd so, be really great i know, I know you're out there we got them you're out there this. and you're like okay guys here i go so yes we appreciate Give that us those, those two more absolutely that's all it takes absolutely so that's the that's business time read that's you got any other business no no, i think that i think that'll that'll do it so so what's next for us uh well i'm glad you i'm glad you asked Mm. because um you know what we are i mentioned it last week so um yeah it you know in the spirit of the conversation we're about to have about the movie that we're about to have the conversation of i thought it would be appropriate to revisit uh, Fogger Abby Dewsnap quite a while ago uh, left us a what you're watching jingle that was, you know, prescient, turns out, for where we would end up here based on ah, listener votes. And right. we're going to revisit that. So, Abby, this is for you. This is for Bradley. This is for Lady Gaga. Isn't that lovely? It's so lovely. lovely it's wonderful. That's uh, fantastic. That Thank you, Snap. Abby. And it, yes, intoning to the uh, um, <laughs> star is born. Woo! <laughs> my, a star may be born, but my brain is gone. <laughs> a memory um, is gone. So yes, yes. So Riri, <laughs> what is something you have been watching, reading, and or listening to? So I'm gonna t- I'm gonna cite two audiobooks that I uh, listened to uh, recently. One of them needs very minimal introduction. Uh, it is you know we've sung a lot of the praises of one Mr. Ethan Hawke, um, and I recently through the 92nd Street Y, which is the theater in New York, um, they had held a it was supposed to be a live stage reading of Ethan Hawke reading the novel by Marilyn Robinson, Pulitzer Prize winning novel actually called Gilead, uh, a favorite novel of mine, 
a novel I love uh, that you actually gifted me a copy of uh, when you had the privilege and opportunity to meet her that you uh, got autographed for me. So that is very delightful. Um, but uh, Ethan Hawke reads an abridged version of Gilead. Been listening to that. Loved that. It's still available as of this recording through 92nd Street Y, which is just 92y.com. Uh, you'd have to drop about 15, 16 bucks to buy it, but it is well worth that time. Uh, well worth that coinage, if you will. Um, and then I've also been listening to, um, and I'm about three-fourths of the way through, an, uh, a, a book, a historical a nonfiction book uh, called American Gospel, written by John Meacham. And it is an exploration of the history of religious thought and in specifically religious application in civil and social practice from the founding hmm. fathers through today. And it's pretty compelling. It, it, it is not something that I would say I uh, unilaterally, like it, it, it's a history book. And so it is, it is not intended for profound persuasion, except that Meacham tries very hard to make the case that the liberty which the founding fathers were trying to strike, uh, the the fact that we can profoundly hold and express deep abiding faith or no faith at all, was one of the most brilliant aspects of the American idea, and mm. um, and he makes that 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 case that that was very important to the founding fathers that we that those of devout faith be able to express their faith freely and those who had no faith uh, would also be able to sort of to sort of abide in that if you will but he does dismantle some you know predisposed declarations about either the overt religious zealotry of some founding fathers or the on the other end of the spectrum the uh, insistent that church and state hold no influence upon each other by decree of the founding fathers and instead strikes a really interesting uh, makes the case for a really interesting balance and marriage of those two things in constant tension and dialogue which i found very interesting um, so again i'm about three-fourths of the way through the book but I've found it very fascinating. The chapters on the early founding fathers and some of their individual religious thought is riveting and fascinating. Mm. Um, and so, again, uh, it's it's a relatively brief book um, as a whole in terms of nonfiction studies go. Uh, but American Gospel by John Meacham, uh, again, not fully through it yet, but would highly recommend it. I think it's been a really enjoyable uh, audiobook listening experience. So, Interesting. Well... I was between two. Okay. Um, well, I'll go ahead. And one of them is pretty easy. Uh, the other one is at least mildly correlated to what you're describing there. Um, these are watchings. Okay. Uh, I am one episode from the end of the Anya Taylor Joy starring Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit. Which I've heard great um, things about. It is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know totally. My wife and I have talked about this, about this a good bit. I can't tell how I feel about the show. Like there's nothing bad or anything. The execution of her character is interesting. And okay. I would kind of welcome some insight from maybe listeners who've watched it. Um, now it does feature, as you might know, uh, chess rather heavily. And that sure, is fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fun aspect to it. In fact, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you caught this when I made a Bill Camp reference, it was to this. Oh, it was to Queen's yeah, Gambit? Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Because he cool, has cool. a very tertiary role in the first episode or two. Mm. Um, 
But anyway, so Queen's Gambit, it's decent. I, I that's that's neither a hearty recommendation. Uh, do it immediately, nor is it a negative. It's just kind of like I don't know anyone watching it. Feel free to hit me up in the Facebook group I mentioned earlier. Um, hey, hey. Ever so slightly correlated to what you were describing, it, the other period piece. I referenced it previously. I'm coming back because it is over, and I still unabashedly love the Good Lord Bird. It is, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. Now I will even own because that is that was a mini series. It was not an ongoing thing. Well, Queen's Gambit is also a mini series, but um, there's an episode or two in the middle that were a little slower for me uh, from a okay. pacing standpoint that I kind of zoned out a little bit on, but. Uh, I think it's eight episodes in total. I just, I loved it. You know, you reference Ethan yeah. Hawk, Marilyn Robinson, he plays abolitionist John Brown and at risk of what I've already done of overhyping the premiere. I think if you were to choose to go watch it, mm-hmm. you would find a lot to chew on and a lot of worthwhile energy spent in, in absorbing sure. it. So Coming back around, I just say I did finish The Good Lord Bird, and I do still unabashedly love it. Any last thoughts on no, I think those what are Reed is watching, what Reed is listening to, and or reading? Maybe concurrently. Enough Maybe in the same boat. What yeah. you watching? What are you reading? What you watching listening to? What you watching? What are you what are you listening to? That is lovely. Thank you so that much, Abby. That is wonderful. That um, is absolutely fantastic. Well, Reed, we had Abby on, and yeah, we I don't did. know if you, I don't know if you heard, there is another guest waiting in the wings. Um, oh, really? That of the one, the only, Lackey the listicle, my occasionally listless list making lackey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Good to see you again. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, man. Oh, man. What so, a fella. We, <laughs> so we are counting down this time around your 2016 uh, listener voted top 10 of 2016. So um, as I briefly mentioned last week, uh, you know, in in previous iterations of certain things, there might have been uh, a, a change in the nominees of what might have been considered to this based on uh, if you were going by wide release versus premiere slash festival release. Um, but uh, I, not having the best memory in the world, had to go back to places like Letterboxd and IMDb and trust their announcements of what was the uh, the film's the horror or thriller films of 2016. So from that list of nominees, you listeners picked your top 10. Um, I just want to, I did this last week. This is an incredible year because just missing out on the top 10. Now, I know you weren't as fond of the film Raw, Raw, which we've covered on the show. That didn't make the top 10. Uh, Another film that I really enjoyed called The Girl with All the Gifts. Did not make the top 10, but uh, featured coverage, Better Watch Out and Under the Shadow did not quite make the top 10. Um, that having been said, we're about to get into what did make the top 10. Do you want to start with evens or do you want to go with odds? You started last week. I'll start this week. Okay. Sounds uh, good. Right, and you know, Riri, I mean, 2016, like, that was, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times, brother. Like, no kidding. That's it. We, we started in August. Fear of God then- started. 
Yeah, and fear of God started. Other things and started other, too. Other things began. Uh, number ten on the list of the fear of God listener voted top ten horror films okay. of 2016 Ta-da. is. I gave him a little bit of shade last week. You did. Still love you. Still love you, Mikey. Is Hush, directed by Mike Flanagan, uh, featured on Fear of God episode 127. Uh, as mentioned, he has been heavily featured in our podcast series in general, including complete discussions about every episode of The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, our very direct series we did on his films, Flannel Graph Flanagan, a title of which I'm still quite proud of, um, which covered <laughs> Hush, Before I Wake, and Gerald's Game, as well as Oculus on episode 87. And we followed back up with Mr. Flanagan on Dr. Sleep earlier this year with our quarterly king, our first quarterly king of 2020. Indeed we did. Indeed we did. Yep. So here, all of our thoughts on Hush on episode 127 and all of our thoughts on the work of Mike Flanagan elsewhere as mentioned. Um, so number nine on your list is a film that I do find very interesting. I remember I watched it and and kind of highly liked it, but then following my viewing of it, I saw there was evidently some just, just rabid affection for it among internet circles. Uh, so highly praised, uh, heavily lauded film. I, I've been wanting to revisit it just to see, because I liked it, but I didn't like it like to the degree that mass populace seems to enjoy it. But it's called The Autopsy of Jane Doe, directed by Andre Avradal, who directed the more recent uh adaptation of scary stories to tell in the dark which i did like uh quite a bit even more than autopsy of jane doe but uh yes it made number nine uh kind of prompted me to want to revisit it have you ever seen it no i think it's on netflix Uh, right now but i'm not sure neither have i seen (laughs) i feel like i feel like mike's coming at me oh no Uh, oh no it's like the haunting of nathan rouse (laughs) um uh at number eight is ouija origin of evil Directed mm. also by Mike Flanagan, one of the few we've not yet covered. Remind me. That's true. Do you recommend this? I do. No, it's 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 a really strong film. Um, if you're if you're wanting to check out Mike Flanagan's work, there are stronger, better entry points. But if you enjoy his work and have not seen this, it's an easy recommendation. Yeah, it's cool. it's it's quite good. Um, and it yeah. is part of the shared universe found in number seven read what that is, is number seven that is, i believe that is true so um number seven directed by james wan we're going all the way back fog episode number four wow you're number in 2016 seven. oh yeah. right because yeah. here it is yes <laughs> that's right uh your number seven was the conjuring two that is uh, one of maybe two Maybe three. Oh, I can only other the only thing I can think of beyond this is a quiet place. Immediately, one of the only films that came out and we covered it. That's a good point. Like, yeah, most of the because time I don't remember cover, uh, the difficulty of trying to take notes in the theater. <laughs> oh, sure, 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 sure. No, and I, yeah, that's sorry, sorry. It's for the podcast. Guys. I'm sorry for <laughs> that. The is light. a good point. Most of the time we don't uh, cover proximal releases. We 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 wait a little bit of time. Uh, but no, that yeah, that that is a good point. That one we covered, and it was it was a bit fresh. I haven't revisited it in, since then. Uh, but uh, mm. I remember liking it uh, quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, listeners, you can hear all of our thoughts on that back when we were more lethargic than we are today. Um, but uh, had some. <laughs> I still remember that episode. I know, as having, it's it's I, a little late right now, so we may get back there. <laughs> that's true. Just just, just stay tuned. Um, 
but uh, I'm still pretty proud of that conversation. Uh, we were dusting off the the you know shackles and and trying to like you know free up the cobwebs and whatever. But okay, so that was number seven. Number number six, six is Train to Busan, directed by Sang Ho Yeon, mm-hmm. uh, which is Fear of God episode forty three. Um, a great flick. I, I great flick. Wonderful, flick. not flicked. Um, that I actually am very excited because the Peninsula, or just Peninsula as I think it's called, uh, is available to rent uh, next week. I think Ooh, as of this recording. Nice. So I'm I'm actually you you Riri you <laughs> you should be so proud. Like, yeah, I'm the guy who's like, oh, Peninsula is the Train to Busan movie. When's that coming out to rent? I'm excited for that. So, yeah, I've been watching the date. I'm like, I'm going to rent that. I got another one. Yeah, I got another one. Did. Yeah, no, that's true. I, so I will confess, this is not a knock on our listeners at all, because this list is fantastic. I expected this to be a little higher. I, I love this film. And if I were making a personal list for myself, this would probably be top three on this list. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really love here. this film. Like, come on, um, team. <laughs> so, no, I, I just, you know, again, the list is what it is, but but uh, did did hope for or expect it to rank a little higher, but you can hear all of our thoughts, uh, many of them heaping mountains of praise on it on episode 43. Number five, uh, another South Korean film, actually, directed, written and directed by Hong Jin Na. It was our Fog episode number 147, the far more complicated, a little bit less accessible, but far, but no less compelling, The Wailing, um, which is another I film. I love that The I Wailing. Oh, The Wailing is fantastic. It's, I remember yeah. starting that fogger up and be <laughs> like, oh my God, it's like 2.40, and two <laughs> hours and 40 minutes. It's about two and a half for sure. Oh, I think it is two yeah. and a half. Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I just remember the experience of getting closer to the end and be like, "OMG, this is good." And I <laughs> don't. Oh man, I'm ready for it to be over, but I'm kind of enjoying it too. And then rewatching the last scene. I don't know if you remember this. I rewatched yeah. part oh, yeah. of the last scene before we record. That's a great flick. Great it's, flick. You no, know, it's a, a fantastic film. A uh, film that just ignites my imagination every time I think about it, or, or especially the couple of times I've seen it. Uh, what's what's number four? Number four, Reed, is uh, directed by Fede Alvarez, who also directed uh, the Evil Dead remake that we mentioned a couple weeks ago. It is True. Don't Breathe, which I have not seen. I wondered if it, because I know it's. Uh, it's been around this, and talked about for a little while. This is the turkey baster. This is the turkey baster. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know what happens with that turkey baster, <laughs> but all I know is the turkey baster. The turkey baster. Yeah. Um. Pretty effective thriller. Uh. Got some interesting things <laughs> going if, on in it. What if in the movie it's just used to baste a turkey? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, well, my imagination was far worse than that. <laughs> Why did everybody like, talk about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's no. the litmus test. Uh, I can uh, I can affirm for you that that is not what it is used for, Um, you know, but uh, but anyway, um, what's interesting is this was uh, pretty narrowly beat out by our number three, which is our featured coverage for this week. Um, And I was as I was watching the votes come in, it was pretty interesting because it would pivot back and forth between the third place being don't breathe and what ultimately at the time we stopped the vote uh, was the number three. Uh, but, you know, d- different alternate universe. Maybe we would be talking about to don't be breathe clear. Right we now. didn't stop the vote. Voting well, ended. Right. Voting ended. Like, that is there is that is true. Yes. They all came in in an appropriate fashion. 
and all that. They did. They, no, they mm. did. They did. But that uh, brings us to number three. Uh huh. Yes. Um, which so is what number three on the list, directed by Jean Colette Seurat. This is The Shallows. <laughs> Um, and so this we're is gonna, our most international list that we've had in a while. And no, it's true. I thought I had dodged the bullets, and then I saw number five. I was like, or number six. I'm like, dead coming. He got me again. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So we'll be talking eminently about uh, number three. Number three was our featured coverage today. It is the shallows. What's number two? Number two on that list is uh, speaking of. Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, is Split, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which was featured on Fear of God episode 32, part of the reference last week, much beloved, uh, at least by reading myself, uh, Springtime for Shyamalan series, Flannel Graph Flanagan, Springtime for Shyamalan, we should have like, made merchandise you know, somehow little, of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed. Indeed. What's number one, Riri? Okay, so number one, uh, pretty definitive number one. Never really had any stiff competition. It was featured in Fear of God episode five. Number five. The observations in that conversation still echo in our conversations today. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Dan Trachtenberg, it is the one, the only, 10 Cloverfield Lane rising high above uh, the list. You are int- Yeah, it is interesting. You noted... Um, it's a pretty, uh, I mean, Andre Alvardal, uh, two films from South Korea, Fede Alvarez, uh, Jean Colette Seurat. This is a pretty international filmmaker kind of list. That is pretty interesting to me. Um, so yeah, it's um, that that's pretty cool. I'm, I I I enjoy that uh, about this list. But Nathan, before uh, you pull up uh, the box office, I'm gonna we have a surprise other guest. Uh oh, we do. We have a surprise other guest you didn't realize, and and so I so I have to I have to just uh, share this. So you just suddenly started gesticulating. Hi. What's going on? Hi everybody. Um, so uh, I I'd like to introduce you to my my cousin. Uh, so my name is uh, Lackey the Listicle, the occasionally listless list making Lackey. <laughs> but um, but I have a little cousin, and uh, he's somebody that's going to bring in because I don't know if you remember, but we actually have done a 2016 top 10 list before. We've done one before on the show, and I thought it okay. might be good to bring in my cousin and tell you what that list was. So I'm going to bring in Lackey the Historialistical. Poor guy. So Lackey the Historialistical. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. So... um. <laughs> I'm just being very, very silly, and you completely yeah. listeners can't see your face unless they're watching it on it's, YouTube. But yeah. Th- th- yeah, you're completely flummoxed. No, no, no. I, um, uh, I, I took the liberty uh, uh, to go back and look and see. Well, what did we? What oh, cool. was? What was the top yeah. ten list when we did this in the early days of the show? Didn't have uh, practically a tenth of the listenership that we have right now. Um, but uh, what was it at that point, and what was that listener voted list? So I'm just going to run through this really quickly. Yeah. Um, so number 10 was a tie between Hush and Ouija Origin of Evil, which Interesting. landed at number 10 and number 8 this time, respectively. Um, number 9 was The Shallows, which skyrocketed oh, to number that, three. Wow. Yeah, yeah, which is really interesting, and maybe we'll get more. into that when we get into the episode. Um, mm. Number eight was directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. It's The Neon Demon, which this time yeah. didn't even make the list, nope. um, interestingly enough. Now, this made me a little sad 
because Under the Shadow, which is a film we have covered and, and both quite enjoyed, uh, landed at number seven, uh, directed by Babak and Vari, and, and sadly did not make the list this time around. And I think it's a really, really it's great, great film. Flick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is where time it gets Time for a recount. <laughs> absolutely. Um, number six... Um, which this is where we get into the whole 2015 versus, you know, like the, the release schedule. But right, right. number six actually landed uh, on 2015's list. It was The Invitation. And mm. um, and so, uh, but I was happy to see that it ro- rose a little bit because it landed at number six on the, you know, historical 2016 list. But when the ca- time came to vote on 2015, it rose to number five on that list. So that made me really happy. Um mm. Number five in the historical 2006 list, 2016 list was Green Room, uh, which landed at number seven on 2015's list, again, due to release differences. Uh, Number four was interesting, and I think this was probably a little bit of proximity bias because number four in the historical 2016 list was The Conjuring 2, and it dropped to number seven this time around. Mm. Um, So I think time and distance maybe hasn't been as kind to it or has been more favorable to other things. Um, Landing in almost the exact same place was Don't Breathe, which dropped to number four this time around. Um, So in about, you know, about the same place. Number two was interesting. Uh, This was uh, released, uh, it it topped 2015's list. The Witch was number two in uh, our historical 2016 list. Because I believe the discrepancy on that was that it had made the rounds in 2015, but wide released in like January or February of 2016. Mm. Um, But anyway, The Witch landed at number two. Still the winner. Number one was 10 Cloverfield Lane when we did this before. Number one then, number one now. I guess... That is worth referencing then because 10 Cloverfield Lane would have... No. Okay. That's wild because 10 Cloverfield Lane came out in 16. It came out in 16. But that was not yeah. covered. Like, I remember watching that at home in mm-hmm. order for the conversation. So it... it because... It came out in 2016, but if you'll remember, the release around 10 Cloverfield Lane was interesting because it did not run the festival circuit. It was a surprise release. They mm-hmm. they released the trailer for it, and then it came out like a month later. I remember later. that. Um, so it was a promoted wide release and just like galvanized the imagination of the viewing public. Um, and so, but yeah, it's, and then, yeah, it would have been on home release by about, you know, July, uh, you know june july which is about when we would have recorded it for our release schedule what do you know so, so anyway well, thank uh, you yeah fun little hopefully lucky fun little the surprise historist his historist it's local. lucky the historialistical okay <laughs> okay we'll see you next week bye everybody uh <laughs> all right now pivoting yes a hard turn do. here to the 2016 worldwide box office interestingly mm-hmm. two of my one of my f- absolute favorite two of my near favorite films from that year are numbers 11 and 12 that is moana which i adore oh greatly. wow okay and yeah. dr strange at number 11 uh hmm. but okay uh scanning relatively briefly but you know us uh 10 through 6 number 10 is suicide squad read suicide squad okay has the distinct honor uh, I went to go see that at a screening. I had advanced passes to that, and uh, uh, Fogger and friend Stephen Scaregrove 
His real name's Hairgrove. Uh, and I went to see Suicide I Squad. Every time you say it. Yeah. And we watched three fourths, four fifths of this movie and then walked out. Oh. <laughs> because I was just like, I who cares? I don't care. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's 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 the uh now James Gunn's making one. I'll I'll watch that. I'll sure. watch that. Yeah. Very with, interesting. With, ener- with energy, yeah. with verve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh number nine on the list decent flick uh only saw it once um is the film deadpool which i did see with another buddy here in town who i think i surprised him when he realized that i knew most of the words to the song shoop by salt and peppa which Which takes the credits over that film's credit sequence Mm -hmm. um number eight uh is uh fantastic beasts and where to find them which is a train wreck yeah. and a sad mess of a franchise that maybe should not have gotten off the ground to begin with. Wow. That may never land its plane. Yeah. What a mess. It's frustrating. Yeah. Now, the literal and actual opposite of mess. You know, Suicide, uh, Suicide Squad, garbage. Doctor Strange was great. Moana's great. Fantastic Beasts, not garbage, but not good. Went to garbage. Number seven, like you will, I'll say what number seven is, and you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe that's that low. Okay. I mean, at least top three deserving, if not number one, um, is the one and the only. It's your favorite movie of that year, Reed. It is threaded through, <laughs> threaded through much. Of the first two years of the fear of God, it is. All right, I know where you're going. <clears throat> Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. <laughs> you tried so hard, you couldn't even make it out the gate. You stumbled over. You were like, Batman. no, no, no. Oh, yeah. the way you just did that, made yeah. me subconscious. Uh, B- BVS, DOJ, DOJ. USOB, BVS. I didn't mean to make you subconscious, but yeah, BVS, DOJ. I know you didn't. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. I know you guys love him. Man, we have got some listeners who I feel the need to apologize for that we keep beating up on it for not like not letting them. Hey, they keep coming back. I'm thankful for them. But we appreciate you. (laughs) I will continue to beat up (laughs) on these films. Um like a kitchen sink. (laughs) mm -hmm. Hey, you know. (laughs) I'm just taking a cue. Uh, <laughs> number six on the list is the utterly forgettable, though I haven't seen it, but why is it in this high on this list? The Secret Life of Pets. Okay, now, oh, numbers, five, numbers five through one. Number five on the list, at just under a billion, yeah, just, just under a billion, billion, is John Favreau's The Jungle Book, which is a decent flick. Okay, I liked that. Yeah, it's one of the stronger... Yeah. Uh, live action adaptations of course still heavily animated but we probably uh, not just heavily like all of it Uh, (laughs) yeah except except the kid (laughs) except the boy running around on a green platform right right. (laughs) uh and we probably have it to thank for what we have right now in the mandalorian um Mm, mm. uh, next up on the list winning the best animated oscar of 2016 was zootopia which is which is a really good flick. I personally still think Moana should have, but I am biased there. I do like Zootopia a lot. Um, yes, I like it a whole lot. I just, just recently, yeah, 
Yeah, just recently, my son, because uh, he'll randomly sort of just get fixated on some films that sure. he saw a long time ago, but then just, you know, reconnects to mm-hmm. them. So, he was queuing up Zootopia a little bit. And and I I didn't sit down and do a full rewatch, but what I caught of it, I was like, this is a good movie. I like this movie. So, yeah. It is a good movie. Yeah. It is very socially conscious in a it way is. that is impressive Indeed. how they pull that off. Yep. Um, next up the list is... Give me one second because I'm trying to. So what I'm doing right now, Reed, is comparing some numbers from 2015 and 2016. Oh, wow. All right. So I'll get to this in a second. So number three on this list, you and I will fight over until we're dead. uh, And (laughs) maybe even maybe even after is the utterly unnecessary and not totally worth it. Finding Dory at just over a billion (laughs) dollars. Um, it isn't a garbage movie. I'm, I'm being rather harsh there, but I just don't yeah. think it's worth the entry. Um, number two and on I the list, which is, I know you did uh, stop talking. Um, number two <laughs> on the list is, <laughs> is, uh, a really great movie and a much better movie in, in, uh, comparing what we ended up getting in its, in its tentpole series. That is rogue one, a star Wars story. That's now, a really good movie. Yeah. It's a very good movie. Um, Number one is Captain America Civil War at 1.1 billion. Now, what I got lost comparing there a second ago, Reed, was Captain America Civil War in 2016 was the top. That was the top grosser worldwide. That's the one. Checking to make sure I'm on it at 1.1. Number four on the list of 2015 is Avengers Age of Ultron, which made 1.4. Wow, that's fascinating. So, so 2016 was just a down year for movies. I mean, box office financially. Now, you know? you know, The Force Awakens is a little bit of an outlier for like, you know, the amount of weight bearing down on that film Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is what propelled it to over two billion so it's a little unfair in terms of it comparing it to other things but yeah when civil war made 1.1 and is the top worldwide grocer for 2016 wow. and you know even number two on the 2015 list was jurassic world we mentioned last week was 1.6 yeah it made wow. 500 million more than 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 the number one of 2016 wow so that Interesting. as always is a fun little Fun little yeah. stroll down box office memory lane, but that is not what we are here to discuss, Riri. Nope, nope. We are here We're to gonna discuss. We're going to skim the surface. <laughs> We're just going to keep it real thin and light. Just, uh, you know, not going to go too deep this time around. Just, just you know, get ready. Um, you had never seen the film, I'm presuming. Civil War? No. Oh. Shallows. Mm. I had not. You had not. But now you have. Um, <laughs> I have. So, so what do you think about the shallows? It's all right. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. It's all I right. Mean, what are you gonna do? It is. It is like. Um, I'm gonna make what's gonna feel like a, a, an odd comparison here, but it is like it's like the Meg. It's like I know mm. what I'm gonna get. And yeah. it delivers what you know you're going to get. So yeah. the the Met comparison is just it's beaches and water and monsters sure. in the yeah. water. So yeah. um no, I I, I it's fine. 
(laughs) (laughs) It was really funny. So I did a, um, I, you'd be so proud of me. I was proud of me. I'm going to be proud of me for you and me in the event that you're just kind of nominal on it. Um, after I write something down real quick. Um, so what was going on? My kids were staying at my parents. My wife was having a friend over and they hung out outside because that's what we do with not our bubble people these days. Right, right. And I had Friday night. I put the little one to bed and I was like, I am going to do a double feature. Hey, double feature Friday. I never do it. I never do it. I miss it. It was like, it, it took work. It took work to set aside responsible producing citizen dad brain sure, just be like of i am just gonna watch two movies because yep. that is what i want to do yep and i'm gonna use my agency to watch two movies to do it i popped popcorn oh. and i just was like i'm gonna do it i'm here that's happy man. i held out i did the shallows second mainly because sure. i needed I, I had to watch The Shallows. I was like, I need to not watch that one first, because then what if I get tired and I'm not going to watch it? Yeah, um, sure. So sure, no, sure. I did a double feature. My wife came in during The Shallows, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, really, that sort of happened. Um, I was like, no, the listeners the listeners voted on this. It don't, it's not me. It's not me. I don't know. Not me. No, 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 no. You know, you're beautiful, baby. Go to bed. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah i watched uh this and dark and the wicked uh in one night mm, mm, uh mm. they were two extremely uh different takes uh, indeed yeah what 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 you got reed so i find it interesting so i saw this film in the theater and had okay. um i i i think i may have mentioned this in passing you but... are a rabid blake lively fan that's I think this is about the only thing I've seen. Oh, no, no, no. I saw Age of Adeline. Um, but uh, the so I have come to realize that while my tolerance level for scary films is pretty high in terms of I will not be easily unsettled or easily startled, this movie had me on edge and jumping and very, very nervous that Anytime any body part went like under the water, that the shark was just going to immediately appear and eviscerate whatever had just gone into the waves. Um, and so, so like it was a really tense movie going experience in, in a fun way, like, you know, the fun sure. tension. Um, so I had a really, really great time with it. Um, I liked some of the characterization that I'm going to get into it a little bit. So, so like as far as, you know, person versus nature stories go i'm quite fond of the shallows i like the shallows a lot um they promised me blake lively versus a shark that's what they give you they give you blake lively versus a shark you know and i want to be i want to um uh, uh be considerate here um my it's fine actually is as much as it sounded like it is not a this movie's not good like it is it is absolute and utter popcorn um right you know in 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 the fun kind of way that you want it's like yeah i mean it's it's, what is interesting you probably saw this she was loosely inspired to it because and i which was interesting i thought about this film during the watching yeah because of ryan reynolds buried you know her Mm -hmm. husband's right kind of stuck in a coffin film 
called Buried. And, right, uh, right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think the movie does well by its conceit. Um, mm-hmm. I could maybe see a world where if you're watching it with a group in a in a theater setting that, you know, you're a little more energized by some of the sure. twists and turns yes. or some of the pivots. Um, as it stands, I mean, I'm, I'm glancing at my list. Like, there's some good elements to it uh, that whether it's jump scares or just general survivalist type of sure uh, elements to it that that are effective so yeah right i don't yeah mean, i don't mean to sound like i'm poo-pooing the film i'm no, not coming no. i'm not coming ready like i did for crimson peak no i understand i understand <laughs> no and and it's actually it's funny because like in contrast there's something to be said and this film would absolutely be in the cat I, I don't think it's incidental that the first time we did this the list land the you know the shallows landed at like number nine and that this time around, the film's been out for four years. People have seen it. I don't think it's incidental that it rose all the way up to number three. Um, even if eventually Don't Breathe would have been like slightly above it in the votes because they were pretty neck and neck, like The Shallows would still have been like an upper half of the list in terms of what people consider their favorite horror films of this year. And I think there's something to be said for a skillfully crafted, direct, Taught, um, very genuinely suspenseful and effective little popcorn thriller. Like that's that's, it, it's funny. Like as opposed to something like, and we're not having an episode about Crimson Peak right now. That was just last week. But as opposed to something like Crimson Peak, which feels very ambitious and doesn't feel like it kind of like hits the mark that it's probably hoping for or aiming for, something like The Shallows in reverse of that is probably aiming for a little bit more direct of like, let's just make people anxious for 90 minutes. Well, not even that 80 minutes. Let's just make people tense and, and in suspense for 80 minutes and occasionally dips its head a bit above the waters to just beat the metaphor to death. Um, and, and pokes into a couple of things that I do find interesting, but it's just really skillfully made. Like if you like, these kinds of versus nature thrillers, it, it's easy to point to this one and go like, yeah, you should check out The Shallows because it's very, very well crafted. Now, okay, this, uh, I do have one criticism of it. That is, sure, a, sure. Uh, um, it is not on the level of Crimson Peak's story and script criticism, but it is semi-major. For a movie that, I don't know if you know this, The Seagull, who features reasonably heavily in the latter <laughs> half of the film steven that seagull. is an actual seagull like yes yes that's not cgi correct yes i got a little perturbed by the volume of cgi i With and so yeah there's a lot more than just the shark but i mean well the yeah what well i only know of the shark and the crabs well one she actually does put the crab that's a real crab she puts in her mouth but um the dolphins. Um, mm, uh, dolphin. I, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, in the moment I caught this and again, I, I'm, uh, I'm not like looking for things to beat up. I am saying some of the verisimilitude gets lost when I personally can see some of the CGI strings versus think about like, you know, we're just looking at these types of this type of genre, but like castaway, you know, sure. survivalist, right. um, yes you are dealing with some different elements that are trying to be visualized on screen but you referenced last week jessica chastain learned how to play the 
piano for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crimson Peak. Early scenes in the film when uh Blake Lively's character whose name I have not remembered. Um some of the surfing scenes, it is clear. Oh, yes, yeah. Her face is superimposed on someone yeah. else. And She's Nancy, by the way. Yeah. So stuff like that. And hear me, that that is by no means uh enough to uh sink. <laughs> sink. <Hey>. Sink. <laughs> Get it. Um, yeah, that'll hold it, water. Uh, yeah, it is. It is one of those that does hold me back from full like, man, look at what they pulled off here. Sure. Um, I get that type of stuff. Yeah. Now, listen, <laughs> who knows how many people in the world, like actual people can pull off surfing that that character would do. So sure. I'm right. Right. I'm not knocking that. I'm just yeah. saying stuff like that, like superimposing someone else's head face on another body and some of the other animal cgi i mean heck the whale is real like that's Uh, a stuff that's a big styrofoam thing right i just i don't know i don't know again it's it's a criticism to open the gate with um or to tip you know dip our toes in (laughs) with um just to simply say some of that did keep me from full like enthralled energy versus now i'm gonna i'm gonna throw this uh do this little juxtaposition here Versus, I know the jellyfish aren't there when she's underwater, and this is CGI, but it's a rather right, right. interesting visual that it's like, okay, sure. now that is kind of cool. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. If that makes any sense. No, it does. And what's interesting, I can't remember where I read this, and I didn't write it down, so I might be remembering it incorrectly, but I believe the director was somewhat frustrated at the amount of things that he needed to do CGI with. Again, I might be remembering incorrectly, but I think this French director was somebody who wanted to accomplish as much as he possibly could practically and was very inhibited uh, just for for practical reasons. Blake Lively can't surf like that. Um, also, uh, you know, obviously the shark. You, you can't do some of the things that they did with that shark and do it practically speaking. Um, so I do think he was, uh, but again, I, I might be misremembering, but it's just interesting. I the, the CGI did not bother me, but now that you, but, but you've made a really compelling case that like there's more in it than I even remembered being. And, uh, and so that does, you know, that does make a lot of sense. Um, I think... So I want to men- like I want to mention uh, something in general about because Blake Lively is, is interesting to me. She's um, how do I, I I want to address this tastefully and tactfully. She is an actor that in this film and in the other film that I that I most distinctly remember her from Age of Adeline, though I may have seen her in a couple of other things. Uh, she is an impressive actor that I thought did a really great job. She has the kind of, I hesitate to call it stereotypical beauty, but she has a very sort of like model esque beauty to her that would make it really easy for some people to dismiss the talent that she clearly puts on display. One of the things that I think is really impressive about her performance in the shallows is it's very difficult for performers in a story of of peril where they're in increasingly difficult odds one of the things that always sort of takes me out of the moment and we talked you know what we talked about this on um to a lesser degree in 28 days later uh-huh 
And, you know, I've, I've since come around quite a bit on that film. But in 28 Days Later, I talk about how I found it very difficult to believe that suddenly, um, you know, this character is going to go from being a clerk in the middle of a, you know, he was in a coma um, or, you know, like uh, sedated. Right. And then, you know, by the end of the film, he's Rambo. So it's it's difficult to infuse certain decisions into your characterization and make it believable. I feel like I believe, and, and maybe this is something you'll echo, or maybe it wasn't really on your mind. I feel like every single time Nancy, Blake Lively's character, pivots to a choice she has to make, I believe that this is something this character would do, and I believe her determination, and I believe, and, and part of it is propped up by the fact that we know her character was in med school, so when she starts you know, commenting psychologically and, and trying to psych herself up for the pain of... of you know, stitching together her, her shark bite with her earrings. Um, I just felt like that was a moment. And there are several other in the film that could have easily gone very South or, or rang very false. And I feel like throughout the course of this film, admittedly, uh, you know, not a lot necessarily of, of complex emotions are asked of Blake lively, but it is harder than people think to be believable in these perilous situations, to, to believably move from determination to panic um, and then to still feel like all of that is happening in a character that is developed from the inside out. So all of that to say, I'm really impressed with her. She was not in this what she easily could have been, which was just, oh, she's the attractive ingenue and she's going to be in this character and we're going to see her wrestle with the forces forces of nature for 80 minutes. Instead, I feel like she clearly did some homework to try to embody this character in a believable and realistic way. And I found that impressive. Um, I, I found it impressive the first time through and it stuck out to me even more so uh, this, this time around with this rewatch. So I just wanted to heap some praise upon that because the entire film rests upon her shoulders. Like she's in every scene. Sure. She has to carry the weight of all of the different uh, rhythms of what's happening uh, with the shark. But as I said, also and even she was yeah. pregnant and she was pregnant with her second child. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so, you know, and she did most of her own stunts. She couldn't do the surfing, but she, uh, I, I think I read somewhere that, there's one scene toward the end where just briefly her face kind of slams against the buoy and causes mm -hmm. a bit of a nosebleed. Evidently, that was real. Like she was trying to execute the stunt and and lost grip and slammed her face in, but that was the take that they took. Um, so committed herself very wholly to the role. Um, and so I, you know, I I just really wanted to express while some people might dismiss her and this film as saying like, oh, well, this is just the the cute blonde against the shark. I think I know what this movie is. I think a, a, a substantial amount of credit is owed to Blake Lively for the homework that she clearly did in trying to make Nancy a believable character. I'll I tell you another moment that impresses the heck out of me is when she heals the, well, not heals, but when she pops the wing back mm -hmm. into place right. with a seagull. And then just her reaction when it starts like, biting on her finger and then she just casually looks at that's just not a very nice way to say thank you you know sure, like sure. like i think a lesser actor would have played that very over the top comically or whatever but she instead endows this character with what i believe the character would have which is a genuine amount of 
frustration and grace mixed into it. Anyway, anyway, just I, I'm impressed by her in this, and it actually kind of makes me want to see more things that she's done. For sure. Well, <clears throat> to that point, I wonder if it's been hard for her personally to get cast in more competent roles than than the typecasting she might otherwise have to endure. Uh, sure, it's funny. Sure. I just glanced at her IMDb, and I mean, there are... She's in a number of items, but or a number of films, rather. Um, the only two I had seen before, and neither of them did I recall necessarily her being in them. Uh, she is, and this will make some sense. She is in Green Lantern uh, with Ryan Reynolds <laughs> from 2011. Okay. I didn't remember Which, that. That's funny. You know, yeah. for for uh, a conversation where we brought up Batman versus Superman, I actually think Green Lantern's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would nathan you would yeah um but she's also in the town but i can't remember that film well enough to have much of a memory for you know what level of role she has sure right right right, um, right. no i mean i think i'm with you uh this is one of those movies where you could as my wife might have walk through and get kind of the wrong impression of what the movie is and what it's about. Sure. Uh, right. Right. right, right. That'd be easy to do. Um, but she does lend a lot of gravity and heft and weight. I mean, you know, I thought you about to mention this, but the scene when she's talking to the camera and talking to her parent, her, uh, dad and sister, I mean, it's a really powerful, uh, delivery. Yeah. And, you know, this is not me picking on it, but for a movie that a lot of which is CGI, she's doing a lot of this heavy performance lifting, probably against a form of green screen, except for the times yeah, when it's, no, you know, not, um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think she's great and, and hear me, the, any ambivalence you may take away from my initial hot take was more just the sum of the piece is pretty much what you're, you get what you're sold, right. <laughs> you know, which no, is absolutely. neither absolutely. good nor bad. Sometimes that's what you want. Like on a yes. double feature Friday, when I watch something incredibly oppressive and heavy, like the dark and the wicked, I'm like, sure, I'm going right. to pop my popcorn and I'm going to watch a, a lovely human, uh, uh, survive yeah, against right. all odds. And that's kind of right. fun. Um, yeah. uh, well, I was going to say too, uh, <laughs> I thought about my question for you of this episode being oh sure so when would you have died um (laughs) (laughs) oh because oh yeah she's she is sitting up and prepping her surfboard and Mm -hmm. yeah i said just watching her prep and i'm dead Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. The surfboard would have like the rock that she or yeah. whatever she's sanding just down whatever. the surfboard. Yeah. With, which like, is what no, it, yes. I'm, that would have done me in. I'm dead. No. Um no, I, agree. I would I would I God bless Nancy cuz I No. Nope. Isn't it I mean, think about it, Reed. What? Do I want to though? I I mean, you know, yeah, the movie if there's a strong theme to take away, it it might be never go in the water. Uh, it might also be fight, you know, something along those lines. Um, I, I think I'm a fighter. Do you hear, do you hear the thread of disbelief in what I was saying? I think I'm a fighter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up. Do you hear the like, 
you know, like when you send a text to somebody and you use the funky text, the funky visuals for it and it's, it's blurry. Sure. That's how yes. that sentence was just then when I said it, there's a question mark obscured at the end of that. It's like, uh, I'm a fighter. You know, yeah. like, you know, keep me on solid ground. I could probably hold my own a little bit, but like, mm. when, mm. what? I, no way. I would not. Yeah. I am sad to admit. <laughs> I, you know, this movie's an hour and a half, if that. No, I, I, I am gone. I am the the car ride to the beach would be sketchy for me in this film. You know, like it's just like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I would even make that. I would question my choices that got me there, but I could probably endure the physical car ride itself. It's more just like once I'm in that water and one, I'm not going to surf is not happening. It is <laughs> right, just not right. a thing like the amount of skill I'd have to develop based on where I'm at currently to be able to do that with any level of competence. I don't know that I would die, but I would definitely not even indulge that. Sure, but once you sure. pit me against a force of nature, like a great white shark. And I don't know if you did see this. They did model it after like a female, which apparently the female oh, is much more yeah. formidable as a yeah. specimen, sure, uh, right, right, which right. is appropriate based on how weak I'm purveying. I'm conveying myself <laughs> to be right now. But yeah, <laughs> right. once you pit me against anything that mm-hmm. might in any way threaten my physical well-being i'm toast i am yep, just like done I, done like I, I don't know what it would have to, what i would have to do mentally to psych myself out for the fact i am going to get eaten i don't know <laughs> how uh to endure the pain but it will happen so i just have to click over yeah. into it like I'm she not like, surviving. Like, no no and yet she and that's what's really impressive about her character like she she gets straight up bit and then like it is after well first of all the that shot which is a really great shot it's a trailer moment shot where she's surfing the wave and then you see the shadow of the shark yeah. approaching yeah. the the you know the board knocking her over and then you know she obviously gets bit on the leg which I, again man like i don't know i feel like i want very ba- i don't know why this impulse is rising like i want very badly to maybe push back against not from you so i want to be really clear here i think this is a film that would be really easy to dismiss and i feel like there's actually quite a bit of craft going on because it would be easy to say and not be incorrect that like hey this is a very this is a very popcorn thriller type of film and make that be like, oh, yeah, anybody could have shot that. Anybody would have made that choice. Anybody would have, you know, paced it that way or whatever. But I'm thinking about, like, the, the, the scene where she gets bit and then you just see her facial reaction and the water steadily fills red. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, that's a, that's a really great shot. It tells you everything you need to know. Right. And it, and it doesn't, uh, you know, and even the scene, I found this impressive. Even the scene where she's trying to get the attention of the drunk guy on the beach and then and he only goes, she sees the attack. And Is that where yeah, you're going? That was yeah, great. That was a very exactly. we see strong her, choice. Exactly. Like strong choice from a storytelling filmmaking perspective. And again, demanding a lot of Blake Lively as a performer that we feel that. We, we know everything we need to know from that. And so I think that's one, I, again, I don't fully know in this moment why that that impulse is rising up in me, but I think this would be the kind of film that would be really easy for people to go like, oh, yeah, that thing that I can easily just dismiss because it's popcorn, because it's whatever. 
when in point of fact there is actually a substantive amount of filmmaking craft and performance craft that I think goes into making it as effective as it is, um, even if that effect is just ultimately a tight, suspenseful, you know, person versus nature type of thriller. Right. So, um, I was but yeah, look up and see if if we would know any of the films that the director had. You know, oh yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Orphan. Uh, oh house, yeah, House of Wax. He directed uh, um, the remake. I'm assuming, uh, which yeah, actually, I mean, I mean, that was yeah, which actually, it was you know that I mean, it was a pretty competent remake. Um, I made, liked Orphan quite a bit. Oh yeah, he um, made Unknown, which is a Liam Neeson taken derivative. It looks like from the uh yeah, and I did not arc. see that. What's really interesting is that he is set to direct the upcoming Jungle Cruise and oh. Black Adam. So oh, that's that's okay. quite fascinating. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, Jungle Cruise. Okay, yep, I see it right there. Jungle Cruise. I mean, that's that's in the can. I mean, they've already advertised that. But oh, interesting. Yeah. Who knows yeah, yeah, if yeah. that'll ever come out? Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, I I don't disagree with anything you've said. I think um, all I was pointing to was just the general energy of you know it it outside of some craft notes the whole is pretty direct in terms of what you're anticipating. Um, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I do agree. With now that. I loved some of the early shots of the, the aerial shots specifically. Um, and it happens maybe two or three times, but the very first time it happened, I was like, damn, that's a great shot where it's literal bird's eye view. And the beach is in the upper part of the frame yes. and the ocean yes. is, you know, two thirds of the frame below it. That's great. Um, I will say this, you haven't done this on intentionally, but I'm worried I've been positioned as the person who doesn't like this movie. That's literally not at all where I'm at, but no, no. one more other slight critique. I, I didn't care much for the kind of the cutesy on screen version of FaceTiming. I don't know. It, it, it was a little, Oh, okay. This, uh, you this, mean where the screen images like yeah, pop up beside yeah. her? Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't totally work for me, but yeah, I mean, I loved the whole interlude with the drunk dude on the beach um, that scene is, yeah, it's awful and and excellent. I'll tell you where the FaceTiming gimmick thing worked for me, because I could take or leave it when she's actually having the conversation. But the aesthetic to like show up the relevant thing in the corner yep. of the screen was great with the watch, where you see the thirty two yes. seconds that she sure. needs yes. to get. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. that is great because we see the. I remember specifically in one of the scenes seeing it tick down below ten. And feeling my own individual heart rise because it's like, oh my gosh, like she only has a few seconds to get back up on that rock before mm-hmm. the shock shark is back in her in her vicinity. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, yeah, there's there's a couple of of pretty pretty effective choices there. Um, so, uh, was there anything else that you want? So, I uh, the the main thing that I have listed in scares is just anytime the shark is attacking or primed to attack. You know, I, I mean, there just... are a few real deliberate, but maybe this is after the, the surfboard hit when she's kind of flipping and flopping underwater. Oh, uh, that's, yes. that's terrible. You know? Yes. Uh, that's just, that ain't right. Um, I, I guess I should have supposed some version of this would happen. I, I didn't know she was going to get bit. So that was pretty alarming when it happens. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. I mean, she swim. She climbs up on a whale cadaver. Maybe. Yeah. Ugh. 
I mean, I hope I would do that just to survive, but I just don't know. How about the, oh man, how about the freaking, it's just a great shot. How about the freaking, she's up on top of that thing and then she is trying to scale around really quickly. Well, I can't get there. That's too far. I can't get there. And then she dives off the thing just in time for the freaking shark to come and like, that was wild. You know, collide with it. Oh man, that was, Um, that was a crazy scene. You know, of course, there's some stinging barnacle or whatever it is. That was rough. Uh, you know, I mean, the whole leg sewing scene is repulsive. That's rough. It's That's very rough. difficult. It's very difficult. Again, some pretty impressive character work from Lively where she's like, you know, t- she's she's trying to mind over matter herself into believe, okay, cool. we've just given you a shot of Novocaine. It's just going to feel a little pinch where she knows she's going to feel every inch of the of the pain of having to do what she's doing. But it's it's yeah, it's really, really difficult. Um, I think I've got several other, but all have been alluded to other than on my scares list is she eats the crab <laughs> and there's no butter. There's no salt. And I say, no, no. thank you. You know, no, 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 thank you. Well, no, and it's un- it's uncooked too. Come on, right. like, you gotta you gotta cook crab. Come on, like even even sushi. Like I do think I remember reading that. However, computer generated the live ones were that they found, and that is an actual dead crab that she. Pull over. I mean, we can, we can, uh, swim into some mild depths if you want. Just a we little can... dips. Did you have, and now I, I, this is going to unintentionally possibly sound dismissive. I really don't I'm intend used it to, to be. Read, you know, what, <laughs> wow. what is wow. this friendship, but no, 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 no. Um, but no, like, did you, so, so I'm asking sincerely, did, was there anything that you specifically latched onto? I have a couple of ideas, um, that might lead to minimal conversation or, you know, might lead to something a little bit more interesting. Um, um but I didn't want to be too presumptive there. Well, I knew, I knew that you had some thoughts, so I want to allow the room for your thoughts. I did want to just take note that my themes are don't surf. Okay. Uh, yes. Don't Noted. go to the beach. Noted. Uh, if you do go to the beach, don't go in the ocean, you know, uh, stay on the shore, stay on respect the nature. Yes, indeed. You know, indeed. Oh, these are yeah, substantive just, themes. Yeah. Hey, sometimes You're, you just got to call them like you see them. No, it's true. It's true. No, um, absolutely. To the fog meter. I, d- <laughs> <laughs> I do like now. I'm curious if, if some version of this is where you're heading, but, uh, so I won't, you know, say more than what I have written down, which isn't a whole lot. Um, I do like the general sort of energy of the gotta fight idea and the juxtaposition of her suggestion early on that the mom who passes away from cancer previous to the events of the film, she, Nancy makes a reference. She, maybe she fought too hard, um, which is, Mm. which is interesting. And then by the end of it in this on camera, kind of testimonial she's leaving for hopefully her father to find rather tearily. She says I was wrong and is sort of, um, uh, and in fact, the line is, I wrote it down. It says, I was wrong. I'm going to fight. And yeah. I just think that's a yeah. really, a really not just lovely as in poignant, but powerful notion. I remember reading a number of years ago when 
Stephen Colbert was beginning his current show. Um, yes. Okay. And it was this big, it was probably in like Vanity Fair, Hollywood Reporter, one of those, this really big article just about him. And as mm. he was making this turn from pure satire into something more earnest. And it was one of the first times I really got a peek into him as a person and, and what, and this article I credit with initiating, uh, I already liked the guy, but initiated right. a lot of my like, wow, this, this is a really powerful to observe human as, as he engages mm-hmm. the world was him talking about, I don't know if you know much about his story, but he, see, it's been so long since I've read it. I'm going to misspeak a little bit, but he's one of at least half a dozen siblings, a couple okay. of, a couple of whom and his father passed away tragically in or around the very same type of scenario. I don't remember if it was some sort of wreck that happens, but all, you know, he loses his dad and at least one sibling, maybe two within, I mean, just maybe in the same incident. I can't quite recall. Yeah. But Um, very close together. Yes. As a young man goes through this. And so this, this piece is just talking about his resilience as a person, like how he's learned resilience and, and, I think you've, I think you and I just over the years have shared back and forth videos of, of his powerful sort of, you know, uh, interviews and stuff like that. And yes. Yeah. I remember in this article, him talking about the, what, mm, and I'm referencing several pieces here, but I also remember an Anderson Cooper on camera video he did that was really powerful that brought Cooper to tears of how do you endure? How do you fight? Mm-hmm. And in the face of extreme tragedy and something I will still to this day, even though I don't abide it as much as I think I should, I still in my moments will exercise some self-talk that I got from him in this article. And that's to lean into the discomfort, like to embrace Mm -hmm. discomfort, to know it is there and will always be present. And instead of running from it to just embrace it and that, which, which, you know, is tiptoeing up to some roarisms about suffering itself. Like this right. is the idea to suffer is to be human to human, to be human is to suffer to try to ignore one is to not live fully as the other. And so right. there's an embracing of suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm leaping ahead of discomfort and fighting, but that's the idea. This thread of, sure, you know, of course <laughs> I can joke and it's not totally a joke that I would not last long in a survival scenario, but you know, at least on an emotional level, uh, feeling called to that idea of pressing forward, fighting, embracing discomfort, leaning into mm-hmm. suffering, that mm-hmm. kind of idea. So anyway, no. that's, that's some of what the film kind of conjured for me. Uh, I don't know if that gels or overlaps with any of what you're after. It, it does. Uh, it does a, a good bit. Um, so, so there's a couple of thoughts that I had, um, and they are compartmentalized enough that I had to debate with myself about which of them I might bring up and possibly not bring up all of them. But they are all kind of in dialogue with each other in my own imagination. So I'm going to try in a very, you know, surfacey way um, to to kind of address them. So the first thing that I latched on to is I latched on to what felt significant about the fact that she's at this beach because she's coping with the tragedy of the death of her mom. Mm-hmm. But that also at this beach, which is unnamed through the course of the film, 
but uh, there are these sequence of rocks in the distance that uh, are referred to as th- they appear as a, a, a pregnant woman laying on her back, you know, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see the way that the the rocks are formed. It can kind of create that illusion from the distance of, of you know, a, a, a woman on her back um, who's with child. And so that, you know, the connecting with the fact that, you know, she's here coping with the death of her mom and and um, and that got me thinking a lot about just this the the struggle to give birth. Now, obviously, we're two men having wow. this conversation, but the 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 fight to give birth to what is in you and to see that through to fruition that's you know that that's one sure. little little piece um the secondary piece um is this notion at, and this is where the most distinct overlap with what you just described of this you know this nature of of how we fight and why we fight and the choice we made and specifically she says in that same conversation that you alluded to about the the, the notion of, you know, uh, she fought and she, in, in the same conversation where she says maybe she fought too hard. She also says, like, what's what's the point of fighting? It's all ending the same. You know, the, the futility of the fight. Right. Right. And and and, and why why am I even going to why am I even going to resist against this? This is this is a useless effort on my part to to continue to try to survive this or resist this to overcome this um, because inevitably, you know, this is just going to be, you know, th- the way it's going to be. I'll get back to that maybe in a bit. The third thing, maybe the most, uh, I don't know what this is. It's just a thought that came. She came to this place. She came to this beach to retreat. She's coming to some reconciliation in herself. And by virtue of the name of the film, this is shallow waters. These are these are not where you would expect there to be imminent severe threat because these are shallow waters. You go to the shallow place to retreat, to find a bit of paradise, to be inspired, to be at ease. You d- my my what I'm driving towards is you do not expect to battle inside the shallows. You don't expect to have to fight or to have to survive or to have to resist or to have to to endure inside the shallows. The shallows are supposed to be the place where we can relax and we and where we can find respite. So it's these three. And as you can tell, these three things are kind of compartmentalized enough that each of them possibly could have been some version of conversation on their own. But they're all kind of overlapping with each other. And 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 so I'm, I'm going to try. Listeners are very gracious, and I hope they 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 and you will be gracious with me for the next maybe five minutes or so as I try to overlay these on top of each other is obviously getting to the to the thing about birth um th- the idea of birth as metaphor which obviously uh you and I are both fathers but have obviously no direct experiential relationship with the process of giving birth to any degree but uh you know witnessing our wives go through what they've gone through obviously the assertions that can be you know, a guarantee is this growing level of both anticipation and discomfort. Uh, and then as the time approaches, the discomfort and then the outright pain intensifies. And uh, and and 
it, it's kind of like the pain is is most intense uh, the closer you get to actual actually reaching the fulfillment and um, and overlaying that on top of this other thing that I was scratching at about we feel sometimes and I have been in the middle of a global t- pandemic very frustrated with some of the people who would basically say, okay, I'm not going to live. This is going to get a bit volcanic for our listeners and that's okay. Um, I'm not going to live in fear or I'm not going to allow, you know, the, this, this virus to scare me or whatever. And I have actively heard people say in certain interviews and everything. All right, well, this, this is my time is my time. I'm just going to, I'm just going to die. And, and that is very glib and very morose. Um, and there's this there's this way in which this was pivoting back to the moment in the shallows when she's talking about having to like why bother fighting because it's all just going to wind up the same anyway. And right. and 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 uh, you know her commentary about well mom fought too hard is rooted at least partially. In this notion of, you know, she spent all this time fighting and you have to imagine that she's probably wondering, well, you know, why, why fight so hard and instead just spend your days doing something different or spend your days, you know, living your life or, or whatever else. But then the last thing that was kind of attaching itself to me was this notion of the fact that she's in this place which is supposed to be a respite and is supposed to be a paradise these these shallow waters and then there's this predatory thing that has made its way in i feel like we want our personal battles i'll say this as succinctly as i can and then i'll hush and invite your responses i think we expect our fights to be big i think we expect all of our will to need to go to to big places and to do big sweeping things. And we need our fights to be epic and we need our fights to be monumental and impactful. There's a scripture in, I believe, Proverbs. I did not look it up because I actually didn't anticipate to mention it, um, where it talks about the little foxes spoil the vine and that basically it is, it, it is actually the small little things that are, are where we are most prone to lose ourselves and where we are most prone to to lose the battle because we don't prep for them. We are unprepared to fight in the shallows, as it were. Like, it, it is often the things that have caused me the most intense frustration have not been big, major, sweeping, monumental battles. They have been, you know... Not for myself, but it's the easiest go-to example. Like somebody cuts you off in traffic, or somebody is consistently rude to you, or these these little tiny things that come that make us sort of steadily lose ourselves and lose our lose our grip because we weren't prepared to fight them. We're not we're not braced for those little things. And I guess my thesis is what this film kind of presents to me is here's this woman who wanted to just spend an evening uh, at the beach and and maybe Uber a ride home, but instead suddenly finds herself in a fight for her life. And it made me reflect on the fact of uh, in times like this, it is of utmost crucial consideration that we be sort of on guard for the shallows fights 
um, and not consider those things to be futile and not consider those things to be worthless um, because in point of fact, uh, we we might be just waiting for, and this is tying it back into the, the pregnancy and the birth thing, we might be waiting for the day where it's like, okay, well, I'll take care of this all when the time comes to go to the hospital. When in point of fact, in order for that to come, you you have to fight so many smaller battles along the way. You have to take care of yourself. You have to be conscientious about, uh, you know, have your regular doctor's visits and everything else. And I guess part of what I'm trying to unpack is we want so desperately to be ready for the big fight on the big stage when, in point of fact, we care very little for succeeding in the small more insular fights along the way the decision to be kind to somebody who's been rude to you or the decision to be the bigger person in an interaction on social media or something like that it's like those are the fights that we are unprepared for because those are the shallows fights those are the those are the fights that we're just not prepared and unfortunately those are the battles that the more we lose the more we are at risk of losing grip on ourselves and our sanity and on everything else that, that comes along with it. Um, that's, that's largely what I'm, <laughs> that's largely what's on my mind with this, you know, Blake Lively versus a shark film. <laughs> um, no, I think in some measure you're, you're reading my mail there a little bit, uh, and I mm. don't enjoy that. So, <laughs> back off um <laughs> no uh uh i really like that that idea of i mean i i don't like it at all but i i like <laughs> what you're what you're interpreting or intuiting as far as that goes i had uh i might have even alluded to this recently but it's a recent conversation that has stayed with me for a bit um I was recently in conversation with a, a trusted peer and just, you know, talking through some vocational just angst and mm. was a little bit arrested because I kept using the word ideal. And uh, uh, this this peer who does have a voice, a trust is a trusted voice, um, was like, well, I mean, this is me being reductive to the response, but was effectively like, well, Nathan, you, I mean, there, there is no ideal. So mm. in light of that, now what, you know, if, if, right. If in other words, I was trying to position as a, well, the ideal version of X would be points one, two, and three. It's like, okay, well, because there's no ideal, you'll never be faced with that choice. So what you are faced with is the unglamorous, non-ideal choices that that just come to us like flotsam on the surface of the water as we right, swim right. through our day that you let pass you by. Um, I mean, I, I do, I feel a, probably in my, a weaker moment would feel a lot of, as I am prone to in my for nature, some shame around, wow, I, I have let a lot of little things pass me by in some sort of mm. skewed expectation and anticipation of being available for the big thing or the big things. Right. And, um, mm. you know, so, so back off read and 
we're done here and uh, I'm closing up shop. <laughs> I don't recommend this film or this friendship. Um, <laughs> but oh but no, I mean, I think, I think, I do think life is a constant kind of jockeying between those, those gears in your brain, you know, of like a, a, a line from literature. I come back to a lot not because I'm good at it, but because maybe I feel guilt over not being good at it is from Anne of Green Gables. And it's all things big are wrapped up with all things little. Mm. And, mm. you know, I think about that a lot and how terrible I've always been for my entire life in the realm of, you know, self-discipline of, of whatever, you know, just pick a, pick a, a, a manifestation of self-discipline and I'm probably bad. Right. At it. Right. Um, right. you know, and that's that, you know, we can self-flagellate or we can sort of figure out the best means and inroads to develop oneself and to be prepared for the shark finding you in, you know, two feet of water when you thought, <laughs> well, I'm good. Um, right. So right. no, I, I, I will own that as little as I like what you're trying to dredge at the bottom of <laughs> water here. I can appreciate what, you're after <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know you know and I, I i know you're kind of being uh you know at least at least mildly facetious with that because i certainly didn't intend for this to be uh, uh so you know nathan intervention but um but well, while we're here no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but uh but sit down so um <laughs> but uh but i mean i'm thinking a lot about this right now in the climate we find ourselves in, where a lot of people are asking on considerations of the global pandemic and the coronavirus, on situations of politics and and the division in our country and the manifestations of all of these ugly things that have come to light in so many different platforms. And, and so many times people ask, how did we get here? How do we get here? Because man, we're in the, we're in the deep end now. Like we're in the deep end now and it is going to take a lot to get back to certain things. And what, I mean, I know I will not pretend that, that, you know, that I'm bringing a lot to this film, but that's, that's, that's what resonates so much with me is like, we, we, you're, you're talking about self-development. You're talking about self-growth. These are all worthy considerations. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm in this moment, like reflecting on, like how we got there is by ignoring all of the shallows fights. That's that's or, or or by, you know, not paying attention to what was happening happening to us in the shallows. Yeah. Um. That's 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 how we got there. That's how the the current pulls you. It grabs you and it carries you and. You don't even know you're being pulled until suddenly you are out there in the feeding ground of things that are far beyond your depth to to overcome and comprehend. And 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 that's why maybe there's this subtextual or subliminal thing that really connects to me about this film and about its kind of fundamental premise, because it is not it is not trying to be it's it's not, you know, leading with 
hey, we're going to make you think very deeply about your day-to-day choices, okay? That's, you know, it's like, right. that's not the that's not the intention of the film. Um, but it is very much a lot of the resonance that I walk away with of, of her deciding those little choices. You know, she decides uh, not to not to leave when the other guys do. And, you know, she stays there. And, and it's not that there was ne- necessarily inherently anything wrong in those choices. But like, good Lord, in, in hopeful and dreadful ways, sometimes the entire fate of things can can pivot like a massive ship on a little rudder. It can pivot on some of those day-to-day choices. And I don't say that to make us all go be paranoid about making sure that we always do the right thing every day. We have to have room in our life for failure. We have to have room in our life to, to, to make mistakes and to get it wrong. But I also think it is a, it is a good and healthy reminder to us to say, hey, I can't ignore the battles of a day because right. those battles of a day – are going to in some way shape my character and they're going to in some way shape my outlook. And if I'm not at least paying attention and if I'm not at least being intentional and conscientious about how I fight those battles, then, you know, character is built uh, in the same way that a, a year is made up of 365 days. Like character is built on all of these, as you put it from Anne of Green Gables, everything big wrapped up in, everything small um and i think that's where i, I hate everything right now i'm just kidding i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but i, I hate think, Adam but I th- gables i hate the movie i hate you <laughs> I, hate I hate it all fog meter zero um <laughs> but, do you recommend hell no <laughs> shut up <laughs> do, do you represent do you recommend fog you yeah. so um so like But I do, and and to me, I want it to be, I've expressed this before on the show, and and, and I'll I'll say it again with um, severe intention, that whenever I have encountered something in my life, this is going to get a bit theological, so for our, you know, non-faith listeners, or for somebody who's not deeply entrenched in it, then just bear with me and hear the, hopefully hear the intention behind what I'm trying to say. Um, I have frequently been able to try to recognize when I am being accosted by shame, which I would categorize as the work of the enemy, or when I am being propelled to goodness by my master and my king, which is um, the Holy Spirit. Um, And the difference is I can be confronted with something that I've been doing wrong. And if I feel debilitated and cast down, it is probably not the Lord spurring me towards those things. But if I feel hopeful, invigorated, and inspired, saying, hey, wait, I can do better. I can do better at this, and I can be better at this, and the days behind me are the days behind me. But the days before me are a new opportunity for me to to be a bit more intentional and to maybe get this right, and that there's a fresh hope that starting tomorrow I can maybe do better at the shallows fights. Maybe I can do better at the shallows conversations. Maybe I can be more gracious to the social media argument. Maybe I can be more gracious to the person who was rude to me out in uh, out and about in the world. Maybe I can be uh, more present and more more uh, you know deliberately engaging with my friends and my loved ones and my family members. Maybe I can win those shallows fights. And if I do that then maybe I will be far better prepared when 
the big fights come my way sure. to be, you know, to be able, because then I will have cultivated an atmosphere of fighting for goodness. Then I will have cultivated a discipline of making kind and wise and, and just wholly good choices um, because that's, that's where it's fought, you know? Um, and, um, and so that, you know, I, I definitely don't mean if, if listeners are listening to this and being like, Oh my God, what have I been doing with my life? I would strongly encourage <laughs> you like, like don't, don't give that the, the, because that's another shallows fight. That right there is another shallows fight where, you can choose tomorrow to be overburdened by the gravity of the missed opportunities or the uh, you know mistakes or the bad choices, or uh, you can choose to like Blake Lively does, where she's you know recording this video and just be like you know I'm, I'm going to fight, like I was wrong and I'm yeah. going to fight, and 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 that's what we that's what we eat. That's, that's what I'm the, in the mirror in the morning when I get up. Do it. I was wrong and I'm going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so we, you know we don't we don't have to beat a dead whale to you know wow. to to, yeah. be, <laughs> no. to pieces. But that's my Gross. you know <laughs> that's my so that's my that's my shallows takeaway. So do you, um, do you do you want to go to the fog meter then? Well, we can. Yes, I do want to uh, affirm what you have offered here, and and um. I don't, there's a mild impulse in me to speak aloud that, you know, this has been a dreadfully difficult season for many people. Um, And I don't necessarily exclude myself from that. Uh, But I think the value is in finding what community you can, what communion you can, what wisdom you can, what affirmation you can, what inspiration you can that emboldens you to be able to not just fight the little, as you called them, shallows fights, but to see them like, yes, right. I right. think that's something we often suffer from, from just numbness and exhaustion right. is right. man. I didn't even realize that fight was going on right by me, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. and so, you know, I, I just want to offer a sense of encouragement, like to not hear what you're not saying, which isn't, Hey, do better guy. That's not what you're saying by any means as right. much as just, right. you know, it takes, perception it takes contemplation it takes these things that are hard for us to do in and of our own strength uh to start to see things clearly um and i I think only when we start to see things clearly are we like oh my god there's a shark right next to me (laughs) (laughs) right uh, oh my god what did i think getting on a surfboard you know um (laughs) that's a whole other thing so yes um Thank you for that read. Uh, to the fog meter totally. we go, um, All right. which is our own specific metric of how we rank movies based on their fear measurement, how scary they were, and their God measurement, how substantive they were. And I will start with fear on the shallows. And um, I mean, given my own just personal 
weirdness and anxiety around large bodies of water and the creatures that lie within <laughs> it, uh, I will probably go about a six on this. Okay, um, yeah. and, and then pivot over to you for your take. Um, this is a very stressful experience for me because of that, because all the shark attacks are really bad. I'm, I'm actually, it might be a bit generous, but I'm actually going to give this an eight wow. because, right. well, because like some of those shark scenes, like I, I, I jump, I, I'm prone to yelp. I, uh, you, I'm, I'm very, very poop club. You get reinitiated. I mean, it's close. It's close. <laughs> I mean, like it's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. So no, I, 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 admitting that that's a generous rating, uh, this is a very stressful film in some of the fun ways. And, uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it an eight. Cool. Um, for me with the substance meter, I, you know, as we are prone to do whenever we have conversations like this, I'm, I'm calling out that I probably brought a lot to you know there i'm not going to deny that there's a little metaphor baked in because some of the things that i looked in on about like choosing to fight and everything that's text of the film that's not you know me pretending um but i also don't think it would be fair to say that this film is after anything very thought-provoking or very deep um i'm uh, again gonna lean generous and i'm gonna give it a five for the god meter that's actually lower than i thought you'd be um uh, in which case then I will join you there. I, I am proud of what you've inferred mm. from the film. Um, but I think the, the text is more, which is fine. The text is more sure, survi- survivalist sure. fortitude, endurance type of storytelling, which has right. baked into it, its own kind of substance factor there. But, um, I don't think it, I don't think the film itself rises far above that, uh, except in cases like what you've drawn out of it. So yeah, I'm going to land with you at a five. Understood. Okay. So that means that we give the shallows directed by Jean Collet Seurat. I don't know that I'm saying his name correctly, but I don't speak French. So, um, but, uh, we give it a six out of 10 on the fog meter, which is a a nice hearty rec, you know, a nice hearty rating for, um, the the old fog meter uh but the question that i'm very curious about from you mr nathan rouse is would you recommend the shallows to people yeah i think it's fun i think it's um you know entertaining it's Mm -hmm. it it clearly and can invoke more than what's on its surface uh at at the same time it also functions well as just a little friday night thriller Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, likewise for me, I think this is a really easy recommendation. I think the only people I would caution about with this film are people who just like don't like intensely stressful movies, which like, okay, yeah, you're listening to this show. That's mostly what we cover. Um, but I think even even for people who are, you know, don't like horror films as much or like the really gruesome supernatural stuff, uh, this is a really easy recommendation for me. I think it's accessible. Um, strong performances, uh, and again, uh, it's really there's a there's a surprising amount of craft that goes into it that I think um, the casual viewer uh, might be easily dismissing. Um, and but but it is it's a it's a really rewarding viewing experience. So uh, that puts uh, one more installment of hashtag twenty 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 in the books. Um, so that was 2016. Next week, we are going to be going to 2017 and your favorite horror films from that year. And um, 
So this is what we're covering next week is one of the reasons I love that we've done this series and that I sometimes love when uh, listeners get to directly influence and, and in some cases straight up choose our content um, because I don't think this is a film that we ever would have covered. Uh, or if we would have covered it, it would have been a very, very long time. And I'm, there's just something a bit uh, invigorating to me about, uh, you know, oh, okay, well, this is this is the clear choice for coverage, and I don't know what's going to come out of it because it is the sixth installment in a franchise. Um, and yes, it is the sixth installment of a franchise. We have covered the original, um, and this is a film that was directed by the director of the original, but it is still a part six, if you will. I'm very curious to see what comes out of our conversation next week about directed by one Mr. Ridley Scott, Alien Covenant. Huh. Uh, That is the film that we will be covering next week, which will, I'm sure we'll probably bring, you know, our thoughts, though it won't be the primary coverage on like Prometheus as well. But, um, but yeah, so Alien Covenant is the film that we will be covering next week. So acquaint yourself with that if you have not already. We will see you there along with your uh, favorite horror films of 2017. Um, and then while you can, please go and vote on 2018, 2019, and 2020 because those episodes will be fast approaching as well. Uh, Nathan, thanks so much for having this conversation with me. Yeah, I man. really appreciate Let's it. Let's wax down the board and get out yeah, there. Yeah, let's, let's go ride some waves. I'm, I'm on <laughs> down, bro. <laughs> we don't even know how to speak about it <laughs> no i don't even i don't even know the lingo yeah. um but uh, and listeners thank you very very much for uh sticking with us and as we say on every episode the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing we'll see you next week everybody see you guys the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.